Hello, beautiful people. My name is Lorena. And my name is Monica. And together we are Growthology Podcast, a place for all things growth and overall wellness. Welcome, everybody. On today's episode, we are going to talk about postpartum. We're going to go over some causes and some symptoms. Also, I'm going to talk about my experience, and we're also going to share experiences from other mothers. And finally, we're going to discuss ways to deal with postpartum depression if you're going through it. Also, what's the good point to get professional advice? So I'm a new mom. I've experienced postpartum depression to a slight degree. Um, I'm willing to be open and honest with everyone and hopefully getting that information out to people and discussing it will help everybody be more open and honest with themselves and just talk about this topic in general. Mm -hmm. Mental health professionals use a manual called the DSM to diagnose patients. DSM stands for Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, and we're now on the fifth edition. In the fourth edition, they added a list of specifiers to the major depressive disorder diagnosis, which is just the depression diagnosis, one of them being with postpartum onset, which is defined as within four weeks of delivering a child. Unfortunately, when the fifth edition came out, this specifier was removed, and it's now titled with peripartum onset, which is defined as the most recent episode occurring during pregnancy, as well as in the four weeks following delivery. It's a step in the right direction still that depression during pregnancy is being recognized in the DSM, but it's disappointing and a lot of mental health professionals are very upset that the period following delivery was not extended from the DSM-4 to the DSM-5, which is the most recent diagnostic manual. So just to clarify, peripartum is during pregnancy and postpartum is a part that's after? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think peripartum isn't that common. So that's why um, it's a little odd that postpartum was taken out of the DSM. Mm -hmm. Um, But hopefully in the next edition that can change because I know that a lot of professionals are lobbying for that to happen. Yeah. According to psychiatry.org, one in seven women experience postpartum depression, and one study found that nearly two-thirds of women with peripartum depression also had anxiety disorder. So if it's so common, why are we not talking about it? Well, honestly, for me, this is the first time that I've ever heard of peripartum, and I've already had a child and already been (laughs) pregnant, so I've never heard of this term before. Yeah, so that might be one reason why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some symptoms of peripartum depression include sluggishness and fatigue, feeling sad, hopeless, helpless, worthless, changes in appetite, tearfulness, lack of interest for the baby or struggling to bond with the baby, sleep disturbance, which can be not sleeping enough or too much sleeping, Feelings of being a bad mother, fear, fears of harming the baby or oneself, and loss of interest or pleasure in life. I think that going over all of these symptoms, it just really makes me wonder how many people are suffering with peripartum and they don't even know about it because I feel like to an extent, extent, I probably experienced some of this and didn't even know 
that this was a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just from the list of the friends that I interviewed, I noticed that a lot of them downplayed their experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so n- seeing, I think hearing this and seeing it can be a really big eye opener for moms and everybody out there that is around moms. So we've talked a little bit on our previous episodes about how difficult change is for us. During this pandemic especially, we've been able to recognize what a whirlwind it is for our mental stability when we're forced to make changes. Even when changes are expected, it's really difficult. When talking about pregnancy and parenthood, some just changes include biological changes, emotional changes, financial, social, and just overall drastic daily routine changes. So when I think about my pregnancy, I relate it to just having a really horrible period. So those same uncontrollable mood swings, the emotions going up and down and just kind of like not being consistent and out of your control. There are periods that I was crying for no reason. Um, I was also experiencing a lot of pains and aches in places that I've never felt them before. So I've learned what sciatic pain was, you know, your um, like the side of your boob hurts. And that's like a weird tender feeling that you're not used to feeling that you would feel normally on a period. Also, just the pain of labor. I would describe that as like really intense cramping that you would feel on your menstrual period. So for me, pregnancy and that experience was the worst nine month preg or nine month period of my life. Sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. <laughs> I can see why uh, this this can be so stressful. Um, so, so for causes. What causes moms to go through this? Um, Some possible causes of postpartum depression are genetics and family history. Just like other types of depression or mental health issues, people can be predisposed. Um, This just means that one can have a higher chance of going through this due to that genetic predisposition. Mm-hmm. Changes in hormones can also lead to the disruption in mood and ability to manage certain difficult emotions, since levels of estrogen and progesterone decrease greatly after giving birth. Low levels of thyroid hormones can also impact postpartum depression. Predispositions are the worst for me, just because I have a lot of like chronic conditions and health Mm -hmm. conditions in my family history. So I hate the word predisposition because if it's out there, (laughs) I'm sure I have it. Um, But the way that I see it is predisposition is somewhere that I know that I need to work harder in that particular area. So Mm -hmm. if it's, you know, I have diabetes or you know, those kind of chronic long-term illnesses, I really need to make sure that I'm looking out for what I eat because that means that I'm more likely to have, you know, or to develop that over time with really bad habits. So just because something is a predisposition, don't let that deter you from putting in, you know, effort in that particular area because that effort is most important at that time. Yeah, definitely. I think, that the way that you're doing it and handling it is amazing because you're being proactive about it. And the Mm -hmm. fact that you know it is helpful because like you said, you know that you have to maybe work a little bit harder. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't let that hard work scare you. <laughs> <laughs> but so an overlooked fact that I found when I was flipping through a few articles is that new fathers can also experience postpartum depression too. Wait, so, what? I know, right? (laughs) So they'll feel sad, fatigued, overwhelmed. They'll experience level of anxiety, different levels of anxiety. Um, They'll have changes with unusual eating, sleeping patterns. Also, um, all of this stuff is the same type of symptoms that mothers will feel who are experiencing Mm -hmm. postpartum depression. So I thought this was really interesting when I found it. So I definitely wanted to mention it. Yeah, I definitely agree with the whole overlooked fact part because mm-hmm. one of the friends that I interviewed mentioned something along the lines of, you know, her partner not having any idea what postpartum is because men can't have it. And I also didn't know that this was a thing. Um, the only experience I've noticed about fathers is them gaining weight along with <laughs> <Yeah>. their partner. <laughs> right. But I definitely d- had not heard about this before. So that's good that that we know that now. When I was doing my weight checks at the OBGYN appointments that you have to do every month or whatever, mm-hmm. um, Eric was also weighing himself, <laughs> and we are toe in toe. Wow, was really of- trying to stay on that same level as you, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you want those late night burritos, and mm-hmm. he can't help but order one for himself too. Yeah. So. He's like, I'm not gonna let you eat all on your own. <laughs> that would exactly. be mean. <laughs> Right. It was a rough time for both of us, but I did surpass him at the end. Of course I did, but (laughs) we're all healthier now. I see that as a win. (laughs) Yes, it was a win. Definitely. So peripartum depression can affect the baby as well, not just the mother. Babies can Mm -hmm. be born prematurely due to the postpartum depression going untreated. It can also cause bonding issues, which affect sleeping and feeding problems. And studies have shown that postpartum depression long-term creates a greater risk of cognitive, emotional, developmental, and verbal deficits, as well as impaired social skills for the child. Some moms may miss checkups that are necessary postpartum if they're feeling down or depressed, and sometimes it's hard just to get out of bed. So imagine a mom trying to get ready, get the baby ready, out the door, into a doctor's office. Um, At times, this can also affect breastfeeding. So this is definitely one of the things that I read in, you know, those typical stack of books that you read when you're going through pregnancy. And once I heard this, I became concerned just because, you know, I have anxiety and I did not want to give that to my child. That was a huge fear for me is that, you know, if you're if you're having those anxiety thoughts and feelings, then your brain chemistry, that that brain chemistry is getting passed on to you, your child. And that freaked me out. So I, it became like super important that I tried not to get over upset. I made sure that I kept my anxiety in check as much as possible. And, you know, just try to breathe in like positive energy. So we all saw the knocked up movie where um, she's in the tub and she's like, <laughs> it's a calm and peaceful environment. No stress. I was literally like trying to you know, tell myself, okay, calm down, calm down. Cause you have to remind yourself some time so yeah I did see that movie but I don't remember that scene but that's surprise <laughs> of course <laughs> I'll have to rewatch it 
little bit about my story. So I already talked a little bit about my pregnancy, but overall, I would say pregnancy was really hard on me. Definitely the physically and emotionally, I had some challenges, but um, labor was actually really traumatic for me. So, and I'll just go over that experience really quickly. Um, I had to have an emergency C-section because my baby's heart rate got super low. Um, and at that point, I was already terrified because when, you know, they mention anything that's going to threaten your child, you just become super anxious. And I don't think other than my wisdom teeth, I've ever had a surgery at that point. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, pretty freaked And I was out. not planned either. Right. I mean, and you're exhausted because you like just went through like 10 hours of labor. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're going, you're really having a kid twice because you're doing the labor part and then you're also doing the Mm -hmm. C-section. Yeah. So once we went through everything, I mean, it was just really scary in general because the tensions were super high and then they had a really hard time like taking her out. Um, so I hear like yelling at each other, like, Hey, like you guys need to get her out. And you know, the nurse is like, we can't, we can't pull her out. And he's like, no, somebody needs, and sorry, I'm going to be a little bit graphic, but somebody needs to pull her. And he's like, I am pulling her like, okay, then somebody else needs to push up. So it was like pushing and pulling and it was two people trying to get Lily out. And like at that point, like, cause you're, you know, fully conscious, um, you're just like laying there, like unable to move. And I was like shaking, like physically shaking more, more than I have in my entire life. And, you know, finally they pulled her out and, you know, she started crying, but you know, that 15 seconds 30 seconds of waiting for the cry is also like really scary like oh my gosh is she gonna yeah. cry um but yeah they- that's your first sign that she's alive huh right yeah that's the first thing that you're like i need to hear that crying i need to know that she yeah. that she's okay and that she made it especially in that situation where i knew her heart rate was really low Um, so I mean, they like brought her to me, but I was in such a panic that I got sick. I couldn't even enjoy like that first moment because of my anxieties and, you know, just every, all the like different chaos that was going on. So, um, Eric and, uh, Lily left the room and I stayed in there. So they gave me more like intense medicine because they were checking to make sure that to check the severity of my bladder. So, um, and it's crazy because, you know, I was there and we were in the room probably about three or four hours longer while they were doing whatever they needed to. And it felt like forever. And I heard the conversations going on and, you know, the doctor asking the nurse like, Hey, what happened here? I've never seen this much blood before. And you're just, that's definitely not what you want to hear while you're like laying there. Yeah. And helpless. Right. I mean, I just like closed my eyes and I just like, you know, try to zone out. And like, I really panicked and thought like, is this Mm -hmm. going to be the end for me? So, you know, that was my like really, you know, unfortunately traumatic situations. But one of the things that I found is that a lot of women have traumatic labor um, that they kind of had to deal with. So, um, I mean, I definitely walked out of that situation, like set back. A different woman. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think like in some ways, like I just like freaked out. Like I just, I almost thought I was going to die. And then to like wake up that next day and 
now you have a new baby in front of you that you don't have the energy or the knowledge to care for them. It's super Mm -hmm. intimidating and it's really scary. So, um, so specifically for the postpartum piece, some of the thoughts that I had and fears that I had is, would I be able to take care of her? Mm -hmm. Um, also, like as a parent, you never get a day off. There was like a cloud or like a weight on me of like, I'm never going to get to sleep 10 hours again straight. And like that kind of felt like a burden, like on my soul, you know, it was like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I'm not going to escape that. And that was kind of like, it kind of got my anxiety going. Um, Also, are you doing this right? Because you don't know. (laughs) Um, And then my husband. There's no guidebook. Yeah. I mean, there is, but they're not. (laughs) I wish they were live. (laughs) Like a a coach. Right. Exactly. A coach with you. Um, But luckily we had, you know, family that helped. Um, My husband, he he started going back to work, I think like six or seven days after we, after I had Lily. Um, And that was hard to not build up resentment. Um, with him because I was left alone with this child and I didn't know what to do and I was exhausted and that that first time that he that he left I was terrified and I cried and I broke down and I told him you know I'm, I'm scared I'm, I'm scared because I don't know like what happens what happens if she chokes yeah. on something and you know luckily he was uh, pretty insightful to you know ask if everything was going to be okay. And really it was just my fears um, Mm -hmm. more than anything, but I'm really, you know, happy that he reached out and made sure that I was okay. Um, Yeah. That must've been helpful to have someone Mm -hmm. by your side, at least that was receptive and was, you know, aware enough to even ask those questions. Right. I'm, I'm super grateful that, you know, that he, he reacted that way. Cause I don't yeah. know how I would have been if it was a different situation. Um, yeah. There are definitely some points where there is like lack of connection and kind of like lack mm-hmm. of bonding because everybody was helping with Lily and everybody was feeding her and, you know, my, like my family that came and, Eric's family that came, it was hard Mm -hmm. to feel like she was mine. Yeah. And um, that was one of the things is like, when you look at your mom, you know that there's like a bond between you guys and that you love Mm -hmm. each other because you grew up knowing that you love your mom. But when you become a mom, like, of course you love your child, but this is a baby in front of you that you still don't know. And it takes time to like really to let that bond develop deeper. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's with, you know, people who have babies and, you know, or for whatever reason, don't want to keep their babies. Like they still love their babies to an extent, of course, but that bond piece is another piece that takes time. It's not instant. Yeah. Um, also, I had some memory problems. Obviously, I was a little bit self-conscious because I had a lot of baby weight. Um, feeling guilty about, uh, you know, wanting a break and, or wanting to get back to work. That was something mm-hmm. I had to deal with. Um, also, it's a common one. I hear that mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of guilt, guilt feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big one um, because, you know, 
that societal view of, you know, what your place should be as a woman, it, it's hard to to counteract that and say that mm-hmm. you want to do something for yourself or you want to have a break. Um, yeah. Also, just like fears of being a parent, fears of if something happens to your child. I had fears of, you know, raising a daughter in this world. That's something that, you know, I still deal with as far as fears and, you know, trying to figure out what to protect her from. So it was a lot. It was a lot to deal with. Yeah. um, And a lot of what you said, I've heard from the moms that I spoke with. mm -hmm. And that really opens my eyes to realizing how how many commonalities there are. Yeah. But at the same time, all the moms feeling so alone and feeling like they couldn't talk to certain people or feeling like they didn't receive the appropriate or enough information about what they were going on, what was going on internally with them. Mm-hmm. So some, those were some of the commonalities was not receiving enough information, um, not being sure who to talk about it or who would understand, not really talking about it with professionals either, like the OBGYN or the doctors or the pediatricians. Um, and feeling like they maybe just had support from one family member or the moms of their families. I think one of the things that I notice with pregnancy is that nobody talks about the bad parts of pregnancy until you're going mm-hmm. through it. Then all of a sudden, all these stories come up of, oh, yeah, that happens when you're pregnant. And you're like, why did it? I wish someone told me. <laughs> right. I didn't know to expect this. And I think a little bit of what we mentioned was that societal, you know, pressure and Mm -hmm. acceptance of, you know, we're, we're a woman, this is our role, this is what nature has designed us to do. And if we're complaining about that in any kind of way, then it's considered some type of shameful, which it shouldn't be. Um, It's, it's very natural for, you know, any kind of emotionally and physically exhausting experience and pregnancy is definitely at the top right. of that list to, you know, have different mood swings and emotional states. So it's unfortunate yeah. that that's how it is, but mm-hmm. hopefully we can kind of normalize that and let people know that it's okay. Yeah. So one of the other friends that I interviewed said, told me about a survey that she she had to fill out every time she went to see the doctor uh, with the baby about about sadness, unhappiness, not looking forward to things. So she would rate it on a scale of one to 10. But even after she completed that survey, she said they don't really talk about anything unless you bring it up. Mm-hmm. So that could be you know, scary for a mom to bring it up, especially if the professional is not being up, up front and mm-hmm. asking. And that is a commonality about those surveys that we fill out at doctor's offices or any other professional setting. And I feel like I'm guilty of doing this because I give out surveys about severity of depression or any other mental health illness because it's kind of like a checkbox that we need to to check for for our bosses or the organization and then not really using it to what it's supposed to be used for. So this person says that she talked to friends about it, but not really family because she's Hispanic um, and she wasn't sure if they were would not believe her or think she was being dramatic or just didn't really feel comfortable l- 
saying that and she just left it out. Um, she felt, quote, I don't feel like I could be honest with myself or others. It took me a while to ask for help or even say it, mostly because I didn't think I had it. Because you hear mm-hmm. all these stories about people wanting to kill themselves or their baby. And you're like, no, I don't feel like that way at all. But there's other symptoms, mm-hmm. end quote. Wow. So with so- that, really quick is mm-hmm. you know like there's a spectrum there's a spectrum of everything and it's I, f- I feel like it's easy for people to just put things in black and white like you do or you mm-hmm. don't have it but they yeah. don't see things in the matter of a spectrum and mm-hmm. you know the spectrum that she mentioned is you know one of the more severe types of cases but there's still if you're having small signs of depression, lack of connection, all of those, you know, little things that we talked about to any degree, you're still falling on that spectrum. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be the most severe to, you know, acknowledge that you have postpartum. It's, it's, it's common. That's why it's there. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And she mentioned that her postpartum came in the way of anxiety and not being able to sleep at night and feeling like something was going to happen to the baby. Mm -hmm. Um, So having those fears, like you mentioned, of not being a good mom or having to be there 24 seven. And if you're not, you're lacking in some type of way. Yeah. Wow. Um, she also mentioned it being very hard to separate from the baby and feeling like she had to be with the baby. Um, so she actually said it, that it was helpful for her to do things little by little. So she started off leaving the house by herself for an hour and then leaving with him for an hour and did things little by little, step by step to get out of the mindset like sh- something bad was going to happen if she were to leave the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely hear myself like in that story and those same kind Mm -hmm. of thoughts. And there were times like it was the first time that I've gotten in my car in a week or, you know, the first time that I left the room, even like not just the house, the bedroom um, in a few days or in a day. And, you know, I would just break down. There's a lot of breakdowns there and almost, you know, daily, definitely weekly. It was a rough time. I had another friend that said, quote, I definitely hit a point where I was upset and stressed and had a lot of anxiety about being a mom. But at the time, I didn't see it as postpartum depression. I saw it more as just struggling to adjust to motherhood, which I assumed was normal, even though it didn't feel normal, end quote. So there's that that thought process again of feeling like no this can't be me or downplaying those feelings or thinking like well this is just the way I'm supposed to be feeling right now when those are the moments when maybe we should ask for help um most of of the the Females that I interviewed said that they definitely feel like there needs to be more resources on it, that the treatment of mental health is an area that needs to be normalized, and there's that stigma that needs to be removed, especially for postpartum because it's an even more delicate subject. This mom feels like she felt like she could be supported at times and that a simple validation of what she was feeling would have been helpful alone. Mm-hmm. Also, not nece- a lot of the times partners or family might think like, oh, I need to fix this problem. The way that she's feeling, what can I do to fix it? But sometimes just being a listening ear or validating what that person is feeling could be what they need at that moment. 
And we don't know if we don't ask. This person said that it helped a lot to go back to work. So she got to a point where she realized that she needed to make that change that would benefit her son and herself. Um, putting him in daycare would have, w- was the right choice and the best choice at the time. And this helped her feel not as a- isolated anymore. And some of her symptoms faded a little at the time. Yeah, I would agree with with that statement. I definitely didn't start feeling like myself until I went back to work. And Mm -hmm. like just having time to just feel like who I was before that experience, because that whole time during pregnancy, you just want to feel normal again, you want to feel like yourself Mm -hmm. again. But yeah, you don't feel like that until a year and a half later. And it's not until Mm -hmm. you start doing the same things that you were doing before that you feel like, okay, this is who, like, I still haven't lost who I am. I'm also, Mm -hmm. I'm a mom now too, but I'm still Monica. I'm still myself. So exactly. So it's, it's not a replacement, but Mm -hmm. an addition. Right. So it's like you, you gained a title, but you didn't lose that title of being yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Another friend that I interviewed said that she cried every day for about two weeks after giving birth. Her husband was aware and supportive as possible, but nobody else uh, was really aware of what was going on. Uh, She also feels that a bit more resources or education would have helped as well as for the partner. She felt like her sister and mom were always worried about her and calling and making sure that she was okay, um, that they knew what to look out for, and that helped her a lot. Um, Her symptoms were extreme sadness, which eventually went away, to extreme anxiety, which is still something that she struggles with to this day. Yeah, I think it's important that to know that you're not necessarily gonna like it's not gonna get rid of right away it's something Mm -hmm. that you're still gonna have to go through like different challenges of getting through it so yeah Yeah. it takes a while so hearing these stories and getting these personal perspectives from loved ones really made me open my eyes and not wanting to make this about me but this really made me see how oblivious we are um to what loved ones are going through and might be struggling with, especially me being a mental health professional and not having the idea or the thoughts of asking those deeper questions about how people are feeling and how and what they would need at that moment um, that might be helpful for them. So hearing these personal stories has really made a difference in how I plan to be there for my loved ones, friends, family in the future. And I hope that all the listeners are able to gain perspective as well, whether they're moms and can feel a sense of not being alone or people who will be around moms that know how important it is to offer this kind of support. So how can we deal with this and where can we go to get help? I came across this really good quote by Dr. Shishida Inamdar, who's a psychiatrist that specializes in depression. It's quote, depression is a neurological disorder. There is a biologic component. There is a genetic component. There is a psychosocial component. And there is, of course, the component of life stress. Depression is not a choice. Depression is not a character flaw. 
depression is a neurological disease. And I know all these things, but just seeing it laid out like that, plain and simple, simple language, straight up, just up front, I think can be really helpful for me and others as well about kind of working towards getting rid of that stigma as well and focusing that if you're feeling this way, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with us. It doesn't mean that we're lazy. It doesn't mean that we're not trying hard enough. There are other components that, like we talked about before, being predisposed Mm -hmm. could lead to these types of feelings. I really like this quote. And I think, you know, somebody like me that's been going to a lot of therapy or had gone to a lot of therapy for depression, this quote is really powerful because even Mm -hmm. the perspective that I have on it, I feel has changed slightly just from hearing um, you say this quote because, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't think of all of those components, like you said, laid out. You just think of, hey, like I'm going through a really hard time. Hey, uh, my parents had anxiety. Hey, you know, there's also a biological component and you're just like, whoa, Mm -hmm. like it's more than just that one thing because, you know, obviously you're you're feeling the internalized part of it. So, so this Mm -hmm. is, this is a really good quote. Um, For me, postpartum depression was a crazy ride. Um, It did help that I was in a good place. So all of the therapy that I did before, it helped me develop a sort of like tool, tool belt that Mm -hmm. I was able to pull from. So all of those tips that they taught me with anxiety and depression um, helped at this point because I was able to utilize that tool and really benefit. And, you know, you Therapy is always insightful. You don't have to be going through a hard time necessarily to go to therapy. I -hmm. went to therapy for, um, you know, the the greater part of my adult life. Um, Just going and checking in and getting a professional's perspective. And, you know, it's like going to the gym. It's like you, but it's for your mental health. So it's important to, to seek out therapy, even if it's not something, you know, that's going on, that's, um, that's going on in your life that you're going through a difficult time. It's also helpful just to go through and having, you know, all of that experience in therapy really helped me get through um, my postpartum depression. Yeah, definitely. Be Like you mentioned, being proactive about it. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's good to hear that you felt like you had the tools prior to going through those tough times. Yeah. So I hope that this podcast helps all of us realize that women do not need to suffer in silence and they do not need to dismiss these feelings that they're having. Mm -hmm. An increase in self-awareness is so important and the sooner the mom asks for help, the greater the chance of improvement for both the parents and their child will be. Like other types of depression, it's highly encouraged that a mom speak with a professional therapist, identify supports like close family, friends, or any type of faith-based support. There's also safe medications to take during pregnancy to assist with depression if that's the route someone decides to take. Just be sure to discuss with your OB as well as a, as a psychiatrist and prescriber. Another way is a support group. It might seem counterproductive to get together with a bunch of moms that are depressed and feeling (laughs) low, but like we've discussed in the past, it's really important to feel a sense of community. 
support groups are so helpful because mm-hmm. you're surrounded by people who know how you feel and what you're feeling. And you can learn from one another, from certain things that others are doing to feel better and the things that they found helpful. At times, just feeling connected and feeling like someone understands what you're going through and what you're feeling can be helpful in and of itself. So speaking about like connections and support groups, one of the things that I joined was some Facebook groups. So they had like a new mom's Facebook group that I added. I also added a breastfeeding Facebook group um, just to kind of connect on those levels. So getting help and feeling connected made a, a big difference. Um, I called my mother a lot and, you know, thanked her one for everything that she's ever gone through <laughs> when she gave birth to me and apologized <laughs> because now I know <laughs> what she went through. And I really, you know, had a a different kind of connection with her after that. So uh, definitely that connection, whoever that person is for you, whoever that that bond you have, call that person up. And I'm sure they're going to understand that you that you need them. Yeah. And I'm sorry ahead of time if I'm going to sound annoying to anybody because I talk (laughs) about this all the time. Let me guess. Three. (laughs) The three main things, staying physically active, getting good sleep, and eating well could be a major, well, not can, but is a major help Mm -hmm. for the postpartum depression, just like any other type of depression. Right. I think it's really hard to sleep with a consistent sleep schedule. I mean, obviously, Mm -hmm. you're waking up every three hours to, you know, take care of baby, but I am telling you, when baby sleeps, you need to sleep. Don't try to be an overachiever. Just get some <laughs> sleep because you're going to need it. Also, yeah. uh, one of the things that I had was a baby swing uh, that helped keep Lily occupied when I did have time or did have energy to do stuff around the house. Also, a bed plane pin. That was super helpful. Uh, I would have Lily in that and I would also like binge watch TV shows. <laughs> so 90 Day Fiance was the show that I picked up while um, while I was on my maternity oh, leave. Yeah. I'm binging that right now. Oh my gosh. Don't it's get so me started. Good. I could probably do like five <laughs> episodes just off of 90 Day Fiance, but oh, good. they already have the pillow talk. So you guys don't need me to commentate on anything. But. I need to catch up. Oh, it's uh, if you haven't watched it and you're looking for a show that you can binge watch and you don't mind the really like tacky, um, cheesy, <laughs> yeah, uh, TV. Um, what is it called? The the live TV reality, yeah, TV? reality TV. I don't know why I first spaced that name, but <laughs> if you like reality TV or watch Jersey Shore, which everybody in our generation did, uh, 90 mm-hmm. Day Fiance is pretty, pretty dramatic. Um, <laughs> I also focused on some work goals that I had. So I was at the time studying for rank. So I prioritized that and that gave me my own time to do things, you know, that I wanted to do. Um, And as hard as it is, try not to eat bad because it's convenient and I know you want to do it, but you're just going to feel worse about yourself because you already (laughs) know your body's not where you want it to be. So try to eat as healthy as possible. Um, 
and really make yourself leave the house. Like uh, one of your friends recommended or said that she did um, is something that I would recommend is leave your room, leave your house, try to get out, get some fresh air. So it's super important. And how, what would you say is something that helped you be able to leave and maybe go on a date night and not feel guilty because I I hear that word a lot from from moms, new moms. How do mm-hmm. you deal with feeling that and also f- dealing with the sh- shame and you know like mom bashing that people do out there? Right. So yes, and, and this is one of the challenges that I think that I had too. I mean, even now when Lily goes to one of her Thea's houses and I don't have her for a day or a night. I, I do feel guilty, but I, I always have to remind myself that if I'm not taking care of, so if my mental health, if, if I'm depressed or if I'm anxious, if, if I'm not taking care of me and taking that time to just be me, then I can't be a solid foundation for, you know, being a mom. If Lily's upset and, you know, she's, you know, being a baby or, or being right now she's a toddler, my patience mm-hmm. isn't going to be the same. My stress level is going to be higher. I'm going to get frustrated with her more. Um, so definitely take that time to just be you and to feel like, grounded again so that way you can get back and you feel refreshed and you're like okay you know I'm ready to be mom again even though you may yeah. not be ready to be mom again because mm-hmm. it's exhausting but it's it's <laughs> really important it's really important yeah, that definitely. you do that so that's that's what would, that's what I would tell myself that is okay. what I tell myself yeah um but if at any point you're having thoughts of harming yourself or your baby immediately call 911 to get help If possible, notify and seek out help from your partner or loved ones, uh, somebody who can help you take care of that, uh, take care of your baby, but definitely reach out if you feel like you're at that point that, you know, you're, you're going to want to start doing things. Um, Also consider these options if you're having suicidal thoughts. So seek help from a primary care provider or a healthcare professional call a mental health professional, call a suicide hotline. In the U.S., call National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. So that's 1-800-273-8255. Or they have a web chat, which is available at Suicide Prevention Lifeline dot org slash chat. Also reach out to close friends or loved ones, whoever that person is for you. Shoot them a text, shoot them a call. Uh, For me, that's always going to be Lorena. Um, (laughs) Contact any kind of minister, spiritual leader, or anything that's in your faith-based community if, um, if that's what you're seeking. And I found a really helpful kind of do's and don'ts list from postpartumstress.com. So if you or your loved one is experiencing PPD, these are some tips. Do not assume that if they look good, they're fine. Do not assume that if they say they're fine, that they're fine. Ask again. Mm -hmm. Do not tell them it's normal to feel this way after having a baby. Do not assume this will get better on its own. Do encourage her to get a comprehensive evaluation. Mm -hmm. 
Do take her concerns seriously. Do let her know you're there if she needs you. Do talk about postpartum depression and anxiety. And do provide a list of local resources. So anybody who's currently going through it or maybe just went through it, um, a reminder to yourself that you can get through this. Give yourself time. It took me a year. Now I'm getting close to two years, uh, but a year and a half to start really feeling like myself again. Definitely get help if you're starting to have um, feelings or uh, feelings of these kind of signs that we went over. Your mental health is really important. So make sure you prioritize that, as I said before, so that way you're able to, to be there for your baby. Mm-hmm. Some additional resources that I looked over and found very helpful are postpartum.net, which offers their own helpline. And it's 1-800-944-4773. This is not a crisis hotline and should not be used for emergencies. You can also send a text to their English line at 503-894-9453 or their Spanish line. You can text at 971-420-0294. The PSA helpline is is a toll-free telephone number that anyone can call to get basic information, support, and resources. There's also postpartum progress.com, marchofdimes.org, and postpartumdepression.org. And I think these are important for anybody to look through just to become more aware and better educated on postpartum depression. We hope that you found this episode helpful, whether you're a mom, a dad, a parent, a loved one, or just any other human being, because we should all be aware of postpartum depression and what it entails. Thanks for listening to our episode today. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Growthology Podcast with no space. 